1: the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast
0: Over the line, or close it, he's in
1: A backhand a by Tony Esposito Stan McKee, was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that knife down Magnuson trying to tear his hair out NBC Chicago's James Navo. picked of 670, the scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. No more. Hawks win! Hawks win again! Grip Jellios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Game off the boards. He shoots his scores! down to the Thames. A game winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Golden back, so full drive. drives. Get the The Madhouse Chicago Hockey
0: Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. the center
1: for he He got to break you by triple threat sports fry the coop and by the since in-law group let's drop the puck
2: Love that open. Welcome into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, boys and girls. I am James Nouveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, the Blackhawks may not be on the ice right now in the NHL postseason, but by golly, we do have some Blackhawks news. We found out where they're picking in the 2021 NHL draft, unfortunately. It's not very high. They got the 11th pick, the one that they were, I guess, odds on favorites to secure. And like so many other teams, did not move up the board in this NHL draft lottery. It was a really boring one this year.
3: It was pretty boring. I'll take um, getting what they're supposed to instead of picking lower than they were supposed to because there was an actual threat of 12 or 13. So I'm pretty happy with a lot. I mean, I'd be much happier with number one or number two. So we can get Owen Power on the Blackhawks, but that's not going to happen. Um, so we've got some guys we've got our eye on. We're going to get to that. We're going to be joined by Ryan Wagman, who is our draft expert from McKean's Hockey. He's going to give us some possibilities on who might be there at 11 for the Blackhawks. We're going to talk about our beloved Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who are having a hard time with the Tampa Bay Lightning right Uh, now. Such
2: (laughs) an annoying series so far.
3: (laughs) It really is very annoying. Uh, And yeah, we've got a lot to get to, so let's get right to it. First of all, email us madhousepod at gmail.com, Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram madhouse underscore pod. Go to madhousepod.com for all things Madhouse Podcast, and make sure you check out my book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks. It is available wherever books are sold. So where should we begin? I guess since we're going to get to the draft with Ryan Wagman, we should get to a little bit of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to get to the Hurricanes, but I want to get your take. We have not spoken since the Toronto Maple Leafs were eliminated. And I want to know, James.
2: Unceremoniously (laughs) dumped from the postseason.
3: They sure were. I want to get your take on that and what you thought of it and how you were feeling watching that whole thing unfold. As I'm watching right now, Montreal beating the Jets
2: so a I am wearing my Montreal Canadiens hat right now I do just want to uh throw that out there Um, they're not technically my bandwagon team but I have been uh you know thrilling to their exploits so far during the playoffs I think that the way I would kind of sum up the series I know it's real easy to just jump on the maple leafs just say ah they're leafsing again oh that's such a typical thing for them The things to remember here is, yes, it is extremely difficult in today's NHL to win anything. If you have a lot of high salary cap guys, which the Maple Leafs do. So that obviously impacts your depth. That really makes it hard to get uh, competitively good defensemen, goaltending, all of that. That part of it may have to be addressed by Toronto. I am going to say that. However, I would caution Maple Leafs fans and Maple Leafs media. And by the way, this is going to fall on deaf ears because we all know Toronto media cannot under any circumstances be subtle about anything. <laughs> what I would That's say damn truth. <laughs> is don't overreact to this. Correct. I know you lost. You were up three, one, in the series you lost. I laughed at you. The rest of the NHL laughed at mm-hmm. you. I'm willing to say it. However, you can't take three games against a red hot goaltender, against a team that just plays scrappy, plays hard. You cannot take the results of those games and completely you know, change course on what you're doing up there in Toronto. And I know a lot of people have made the very wrong assertion that this is somehow a repudiation of um, sabermetrics or whatever you wanna call it in this instance. I just, I'm encouraging Toronto fans, Toronto media, and most importantly, the executives of that team, don't overreact. Don't let the laughter dictate what you are going to do. Yes, it stinks. Yes, I'm extremely happy that Montreal beat them. By the way, Jay, we will talk about that just a little bit because I feel like this is at least a little bit of vindication for me in saying that Montreal was going to have the best record in that division this year. The fact they beat Toronto does make me feel a little bit better, however... I'm also a realist. Toronto is the best team in that division. Toronto is one of the best teams in the NHL. They cannot overreact to this loss.
3: I am, and you can be honest, we did not talk before this podcast. Um, I feel the same way. I feel like any sort of giant, crazy, uh, we need to fire everybody or trade a star player, whatever, it's a bad reaction. The Leafs have gone about this thing the right way they really have they've built a really solid team they brought in some veterans to sort of solidify things with Joe Thornton and and uh also Tower Segan Jason Spezza and those kind of players and the trade for Nick Felino, those things all made sense it's what playoff teams are you know it's what cup contenders are supposed to do to get over the hump it didn't work but it doesn't mean that the approach was incorrect yeah we all like to laugh at the at the you know dismissal of the leafs because they are the Cowboys or the Notre Dame or the Knicks of the NHL where they talk a big game but when you look at history they haven't really done much recently and I say that as a Notre Dame fan I'm (laughs) self-aware I know they're a team that people love to hate that said anyone who looks at this thing objectively and without the fury of being a Leafs fan or observer would realize hey look this team is good they're going to be good for a long time they've got a lot of good young players any sort of panic move to me, would be a mistake on on their end. I, I really think so. I think that, you know, a, a bounce goes the other way and the Leafs advance and we're not really having this conversation and people are still looking at them as a, one, of the, one of the teams with a better chance to win a Stanley Cup. So I think stay the course, you know, tweak here and there as you always have to do. But again, don't go looking to trade Mitch Marner. Don't go looking to trade, you know, William Nylander, just kind of stick yeah. with it. Oh my Lord, that was a massive hit. Is that guy and Winnipeg dead? Winnipeg scored.
2: I'm, it is four to three.
3: I'm sorry. I just saw that live. I know I'm supposed not to react on a podcast <laughs> to a live hit, but there is a uh, Evans for Montreal is down and it looks not great. And one of my pet yeah. peeves in hockey is a guy gets injured and then everyone fights around the injured player, like with him just flopped on the ice. Like, what are you doing? All right. Anyway, back to the point of hand. So any, I think anywho, yes. Yeah, despite the joy and the delight of watching Toronto fail and watching their fans suffer. I think from a hockey perspective they are very much on the right track and should stick with what they're doing
2: and we neither of us mentioned kind of the elephant in the room which was we have to remember john Tavares got hurt in this series right he like barely played in this series Mm -hmm. and then jake muzzin was hurt as well right like that you have to remember if you're toronto you're out two of your best players you really can't be drawing a ton of really large conclusions i would guess in terms of uh this series and you've don't you don't have a ton of cap space to work with next year the maple leafs next season are projected to have a cap hit of about 69 million (laughs) nice but they only have 14 contracts on the book for next season so there is going to be some things that they're going to have to do zach hyman riley nash are both going to be free agents Uh nick folino wayne simmons both going to be free agents joe thornton Going to be a free agent. Jason Spezza, same thing. Uh, Frederick Anderson is also going to be a free agent. They have a lot of really big decisions to make and not a lot of cap space to make them in. When you have two players making north of $11 million and a third who's just under that mark, you don't really have a lot of flexibility. So I think that it obviously would behoove Toronto not to make any sort of panic move. I'm just really interested to see what the heck it is Kyle Dubas is going to end up doing.
3: Yeah, I think it's gonna be small tweaks. He's a smart guy. Um, and uh I, th- I don't think he's the type of guy to panic, but there might be pressure from above. Who knows? I don't know. It's gonna be fascinating to watch, but like we've said, stay the course. One thing, by the way, uh on, on the playoff thing here, um, I saw a stat today, Colorado is just ma- just manhandled the Vegas in game <laughs> that one. That
2: was hysterical hysterically funny how bad that was Toronto or er, Colorado is so good
3: <laughs> okay I saw this stat from Nick Kitsonica. Um, he said players with at least 45 playoff games who've averaged more per game than Nathan McKinnon in goals only Mario Lemieux and Mike Bossy assists only Wayne Gretzky Mario Lemieux and Bobby Orr. And, what whatever they ever done and points Gretzky and Lemieux so again Players with at least 45 playoff games who've averaged more per game than McKinnon in those categories. Again, goals, Lemieux and Bossy, assists, Gretzky, Lemieux, or points, Gretzky and Lemieux. That's it. That's the list. Nathan McKinnon is a guy who I think a lot of people know is really good. But for whatever reason, don't think of him as one of the absolute greats in the league right now. At least I don't think so. I don't get that impression. Like He's not a household name. He should be.
2: Uh, yeah, he should be. And
3: I'm, I'm really looking forward to what I think is going to be the cup final of Tampa and and Colorado.
2: I was waiting for you to say it. And I was going to say, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. But I mean, there pretty clearly is a top dog in this league right now. And it is the Colorado avalanche. There is a reason they were picked by basically everybody to win the Stanley cup this year i mean you just look up and down that roster there just is not a single weak component to it i mean from goal tending to their defense and their scoring it's just unreal and the thing that kind of scares me the most as a blackhawks fan knowing next season the avalanche are going to be back in a division with the blackhawks they have so many guys that they're running back next year, and they have so much cap space to work with. They have to re-sign, I think it's a total of like four guys, and they have $20 million in cap space to play with. Yes, they do have to re-sign Gabriel and if they do want to keep him. Yes, they do have Kale McCarr is going to be hitting restricted free agency. Those are not going to be easy decisions, but when your top three defensemen, Samuel Girard, Devin Taves, and Ryan Graves make a combined $12 million Bucks mm-hmm. when Nathan McKinnon has a cap hit of 6.3 million dollars for the next two seasons. When you have those things and the fact Miko Rantanen is under contract for four more years after this season, good freaking Lord! <laughs> the Avalanche are they are in a position they can potentially equal or better what the blackhawks did in a six-year stretch they are set up so well and they've drafted so freaking well and they just are they're in a prime position man and it is absolutely crazy looking up and down that roster realizing how young how talented and most importantly how cheap it is
3: i'm just really glad that i picked them uh
2: to win the stanley cup you hit it right on the button there jay thanks do you happen to remember who i picked to win the stanley cup um, I think you picked the Blackhawks. I, yeah, that sounds like I, <laughs> something I would do. Uh, if by memory the way, serves, uh, and please correct me, I thought I picked Tampa Bay.
3: You did. Uh, Jake Evans is the injured Montreal player being, uh, I, again, this isn't live. I don't know why I do this. This is a radio guy in me, uh, but he's being wheeled off the ice on a stretcher. That uh, is not, not looks good. responsive, um, but that hit was ugly. I got to see it a few more times. I don't know if it was necessarily dirty, Went for the wraparound, kind of, tur- he just moved his arms. I saw that. Went for the wraparound, came back around, and Mark Scheifele met him at the goal line. Uh, I got to see the hit again, but it didn't look dirty. It just looked ferocious. And I think he was out when he hit the ice. It was a brutal hit. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what comes of that hit. Something to keep an eye on as the playoffs go on. All right, I um, want to tell everybody about our newest sponsor, Kent Simpson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases, As an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, and buses, construction accidents, nursing nursing home abuse, medical negligence, and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. Call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call the Sinson Law Group. Now that's spelled S-I-N-S-O-N Law Group.com. All right, James, our beloved uh, hurricanes are down to nothing in the series. They are in a little bit of trouble here against a really great team. Do you see any way, um, our, our beloved jerks get back in this thing?
2: I do want to point out before we kind of move on that I think Mark Shifley is going to get suspended for that hit that he put on Jake Evans. That was ridiculously unnecessary. Clearly had zero intention of playing the puck, was given a five-minute major for charging. Easily can see the NHL suspending him for that hit. That was just completely unnecessary. And obviously, you know, just really hope that Jake Evans is okay. But now that we've gotten that kind of bit of housekeeping out of the way, we can talk about the Hurricanes. Housekeeping! Oh man. Sorry. So the way I look at it is that the Hurricanes have not played two bad games, obviously, right? No. No, It it is never ideal to be down two nothing leaving your home rank and going to a hostile Environment. I think it's still Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. Um, it, it's never easy to go into that situation, but I feel like the Hurricanes have the goaltending, the veteran know-how, and the talent to kind of overcome those obstacles. I honestly thought they played well enough to win both of those games. They lost, I believe, both of them by a single goal. Yep, two to Just one could not freaking solve Andre Vasilevsky. And I know that's all it takes in the playoffs sometimes, and this is not – designed to take anything away from Tampa Bay. We all know what a hell. They're such a good team. And they managed to finish third in a really tough division without their freaking best player on the ice for a single minute during the regular season. Mm -hmm. I get how good Tampa Bay is, but I will say if it were not for Andre Vasilevsky, this series would be completely different. And I think the Hurricanes just have to continue to work to try to solve that puzzle. And if they can somehow get a couple of goals, get some momentum going. It would not shock me at all to see kind of the tide of this series change. It's been two really solid, really fun to watch games. Just have to give Tampa Bay credit. They've found a way to win each one of them.
3: Well, you know, it's, we've said this about the Lightning a lot, is when you are playing a team that good, your chances are pretty few and far between as it is. Then you get them, and then you have to beat probably the best goalie in the world. And it's just like, oh, you know, it's like playing a video game. Like well, I beat the final boss, but now I got to get to the final final boss, you know. And it's it's just sort of it's frustrating. And uh, I I do think you know Carolina is a deep team. They're really great too. We know that. It's why we love them so much. Uh, and you know, game three, if they can take game three, uh, I, you know, it's it's a brand new series. I I think a word I'm going to invent right now. And I'm going to apply it towards a sporting uh, series. I don't think anyone's ever done this before. I'm going to call Game 3 Pivotal.
2: Oh, my God. Really? You yeah. You think?
3: Yeah. You can use that if you want in any of your NBC uh, articles, if you'd like, James. Game please, please credit three me.
2: Pivotal yeah, Please. Use says cr- Jay Zawoski of I'm Fat Podcast. <laughs> Thank
3: you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just want proper accreditation. Um,
2: I am wondering if I've ever actually cited you in an article on NBC Chicago. I think what I would I have to do it like uh, an editors notes, the author of this story co-hosts a podcast with this dude. Would that be the proper journalistic etiquette? I guess
3: I think as long as you don't put any pictures of me in there, you're fine. You're going to be. Well, safe. I mean,
2: I figured that would only serve to drive up traffic. <laughs> I mean, you are an Adonis after all.
3: Uh, Sure. Yeah, that's a word for it. All right, before we talk to Ryan Wagman, uh, you did this last time. Actually, when the Hawks got the third pick, you declared, this is the guy I want. Before we get to Ryan Wagman and McKean's Hockey, are you ready to de- to declare who you want in a perfect world the Hawks to realistically take at 11?
2: No, no pressure on me, right?
3: No pressure on you.
2: All right. The guy that I want the Blackhawks to take, there are... I, I will get into this with Ryan a little bit. There are three guys that I'm kind of circling on. The one guy that has kind of jumped out to me so far during all of this has been Cole Sillinger out of uh, Sioux Falls. He had an awesome season in the USHL. He jumped over here because the WHL didn't really get go- going early enough this season. Had 24 goals and 22 assists with Sioux Falls. Really think the Blackhawks would be smart to draft another forward. I think that they probably want to build their center depth as much as they can. I know they've got some other options in the pipeline, but it never hurts to have kind of versatile guys that can play center and wing. Cole Sillinger is a guy that I just keep coming back to, and he's definitely on my radar in a really big way.
3: I like what I see from him size wise. He's obviously has the skill. Um, A lot of reports I've seen have questioned his skating a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... You know, one of my concerns about the Hawks as they're currently constructed is they don't really have a lot of speedsters. You got to bring it, right? And that's about it. If you bring there Vigianna is another Strosa guy back, on the
2: board, there is another guy on the board that would address that issue, but I don't know if the Blackhawks would be smart. He'd probably be a little bit of a reach at eleven. I think that's why I ended up going with Sillinger. All
3: right, my guy. Before we get to um, Ryan Wagman is peterborough center mason mctavish six one two zero seven, 207 uh not maybe as skilled as some of the other guys in the league or in the draft but physical a guy who will go to the net a guy who will probably be an asset on the power play uh he's got a heavy hard shot i like his game as it would you know and look we're not experts but i watch a lot of the championships it's all out of mctavish and that and uh, I liked his. He was game. Team
2: Canada's captain, don't forget.
3: Yes. And I just, I, I, I think he brings something that the Blackhawks lack. That said, they never seem to draft guys like that. So it doesn't really seem like a Hawks kind of a pick. But maybe they will look at that and say, mm, you know, you saw Stan Bowman kind of address that defensively. By trading for Zadorov, and then later near the acquiring Riley Stillman, he sort of realized the team needed some physicality on the blue line. Maybe he's going to realize he needs the same thing up front. One nothing, Colorado, already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, by the way, just saw some breaking news on the uh, wire: Dylan Secura will make his Stanley Cup debut and play for the Vegas Gold, or he's playing for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight.
3: Guess who Discord for Colorado.
2: Uh Nathan McKinnon. Nope. Cole cool. Gail McCarr.
3: Brandon Sod.
2: Oh, you've gotta be freaking kidding me. He scored in game one, too. I will say though, he uh, had a,
3: he had a breakaway and whiffed and the puck went in.
2: Very sod <laughs> So
3: he kind of whiffed and like became a changeup and went between uh the flowers' legs there. So
2: Well, Neil before sod, et cetera, et cetera. But that's pretty much par for the course for him. Hey,
3: we'll take it. I'm sure they're very, very happy with that goal there. <laughs> All right, before we take a time out, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FrytheCoop.com. What's Fry the Coop? Only the greatest Nashville hot chicken on the planet. Celebrate the loss of the Nashville Predators by getting some Nashville hot chicken. Raise a banner like the Predators would do. We had Creed play during the intermission. We're raising a banner for that. We're the Nashville Predators. Go get the <laughs> chicken tenders. Go get the donut hot chicken sandwich, the chicken and waffles. Everything at Fry the Coop is absolutely outstanding. You Will love it, and I'm going to warn you it's hot. If you think you like hot, the hot's going to be enough for you, and they've got two levels of heat above that. But if you don't like hot food, you can get it the country style, no heat at all, whatever you want. They will accommodate at Fry the Coop. Fry the Coop's in Prospect Heights, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Tinley Park, and West Town. Go to frythecoop.com, place your order online, pick it up from their windows. It is awesome, it travels well, no need to worry if you're a little bit far away. 10 15 20 minute ride home it will be good to go frythecoop.com all right when we come back on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we talk nhl draft with mckean's hockey's u.s scout head of u.s scouting ryan wagman we'll be right back with more on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
2: Welcome back into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking a lot about the NHL playoffs so far, but... The big news of the day for Blackhawk fans is the NHL Draft Lottery took place today. The Blackhawks will be picking 11th, we assume, in July's NHL Draft. And I was thinking to myself earlier today in kind of one of these weird moments of symmetry that I sometimes have with Jay Zawoski. I was thinking about our interview with Ryan Wagman from McKean's Hockey that we did last season before the 2020 NHL Draft. And I thought about what a great interview that was, the fantastic insights that we got from Ryan. So when Jay came on the podcast, earlier to kind of start recording he mentioned that he had gotten ryan to agree to come on tonight and it just was this beautiful blissful moment so we are very happy now to have ryan wagman head of u.s scouting for mckean's hockey on to talk to us about all of the big prospects that blackhawks fans can look forward to seeing at number 11 and just to pick his brain in general about what we can expect in the draft as a whole ryan how are you doing tonight man
4: well, you guys really know how to butter up your guests. I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> Someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a good time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
2: The Obviously, the NHL draft lottery today played out pretty much – Exactly the way the standings uh, went, obviously, with the exception of the Seattle Kraken, who will be picking second. The Buffalo Sabres got the top pick. Anaheim Ducks, New Jersey Devils, Columbus Blue Jackets round out the top five. And Ryan, before we get too far into what the Blackhawks specifically are going to need, this draft is obviously significantly different than a lot of drafts where there's kind of a number one player that every team is kind of targeting and coveting. You win the sweepstakes for them and you get the number one pick that kind of isn't the case this year i know there's a lot of hype around owen power sorry jay i know i didn't pronounce that correctly owen You're pro- power <laughs> Sorry, my apologies, Jay. I have to pronounce that correctly. There's not, it doesn't really seem to me that there is a consensus number one pick. How does that kind of impact the way that you guys and McKeens kind of approach the draft when there really isn't kind of that consensus? How do you kind of build your mock drafts and your boards, not exactly knowing who's going to end up in that number one spot?
4: This year, more than any other year since I started looking at, at you know, uh, draft eligibles and prospects in general. It's just a big shrug emoji. Mm. Nobody knows anything. I mean, you know, internally we have debates and we talk, you know, it could be this guy or that guy, all of us. We have uh, scouting contacts that we talk to in the NHL world and they all have different opinions too. And it's way more fractured than I've ever seen it. And and, I mean, you know, you can say part of partially that's due to COVID and making this year just extra weird. And part of it's due to the fact that there aren't any generational talents. There are no, you know, Austin Matthews and, and, uh, Connor McDavid's and, uh, you know, even a Jack Hughes, although Jack Hughes's brother is available. Um, there, there just really isn't anybody that you go, yep, that's it. He's the guy, he's the number one guy. There are some guys you say, yep, he's around that area. Um, and so, you know, I mean, if you're thinking like, you know, we'll get more to the Blackhawks later, but all I can tell you right now for sure is there'll be four guys who will not be available at number 11. After those four guys, it could be all uh, so many different people who are available. Um, so let's talk about those four guys, I guess, first.
3: Yeah, good call. Let's, let's hear about those four. And, <laughs> and
4: let's start with my guy,
3: Owen Power, because I love saying his name in a r- stupid way. And uh, that seems to be just sort of looking at some of the mocks, what everyone thinks is going to go first. So let's start with him and work our way
4: down those four. Sure. So, um Power was, I, in the first mock draft that I did, he was number one. Um, he might not be the guy we rank as our number one guy when our draft guide comes out uh, around approximately one month from now. Um, but, you know, he, he is, he's a unique player. Uh, he's gigantic. He has every single skill in the book. Um, you know, you can say he's, he reminds me most, I guess, of like an Aaron Ekblad. But I can see comps to somebody like Brent Burns. I wouldn't put him with the Hedman right now because I don't think anybody expects a Victor Hedman out of anybody. Um, mm-hmm. But Owen Power, you know, he just got the size. He can skate. He's got a big shot. He's really good with the puck. Uh, you know, plays in all situations, plays big minutes. And, you know, you put him in any challenge that he's faced, uh, within a couple of games, he's not only met the challenge, but he's gone above expectations, including what he's doing right now for uh, Team Canada at the World Championships. Um, so he he's a special player, and I got to watch him a lot. Uh, not well, a little bit this year, but even more the last two years when he played for the Chicago Steel. Um, and you know, you can see after his first few weeks or a month or two with, with with that level, and he was like the youngest guy there. He very quickly became the best player there, the best defenseman maybe in the league uh, on many nights, and um, you know he has a good chance to step right into step right into the NHL lineup. Uh, You know, Buffalo could certainly use a guy like Owen Power. Um, There's a case that he would be best served going back to Michigan for regular season, but I'm not sure I make that case. Um, You know, although then again with Buffalo being, you know, having had the the recent experience they've had with rushing guys, um, it might be the best case for no matter who they pick to let that player play another year wherever they are. Uh, But Owen Power is definitely one of those guys who will not be available for the Blackhawks at number 11.
2: Let me try to take another stab at another guy. I'll also go with another defenseman committed to the University of Michigan, Luke Hughes. Do you think Luke Hughes is going to be available at number 11?
4: No. The only chance that Luke Hughes has of being available at number 11 is if his uh, leg injury is worse than I've heard so far. Um, you know, and in fact, there's a good case that if the injury is not that bad long term, Hughes could be long term the best player that comes out of this draft class. Hmm. Uh, but there's just, just enough uncertainty right now uh, because of that injury. It's uh, from my understanding, it's, it was a skate laceration in his leg um, that was not an easy one. Um, but he is he's not as close to the NHL as an Owen Power. I mean, he's a lot younger. He's almost a full year younger. Uh, Power has a um, Power was born in November of '02, and Luke Hughes was born in September of '03. So if Luke Hughes was one week younger. He would not even be eligible this year. Wow, uh, but Luke Hughes is, I would say, the best skater in this draft class. Again, assuming you know his leg heals, um, he's got a great point shot. You know, he's he's not he's not so much like his older brother Quinn. He reminds me more of Jake Sanderson, who I guess fans who only watch the NHL wouldn't have seen him yet. But Sanderson is just a good size, and Luke Hughes has good size. Like his younger brothers are, or his older brothers rather are small. Luke is big, um, but he skates just as well as them. Uh, he's got a bit more of a power game. Um, you know, he just looks more forceful uh, and maybe less say, silky than his two older brothers. But he can be, assuming health, within a few years, a number one. Whereas power will just get there quicker, but his his ceiling is maybe a touch lower than uh, than Luke Hughes is.
3: Who are the other two, assuming Luke Hughes is one of your four, who are the other two that we're looking at in, in that top four?
4: So yeah, outside of Hughes and power, um, one guy, another Michigan connection there is Matthew Benyers or Matty Benyers. Uh, I love his game, uh, you know, and depending on the team that picks first, like there's a chance he could go first overall. Uh, I know some teams like them better than power, at least around mid season, although that might've changed with, uh, you know, w- with their work at the world championships. But Benyers is the kind of guy you're saying you're saying, if, you know, if you want to build your team around somebody who's got like that Jonathan Tays type of ceiling, Matty Benyers is your guy. Uh, and so I, I would, I, I could very easily see Seattle saying, he's the guy we start a franchise with because he just has that type of of game, you know, he, he can play, you know, if you remember at the world juniors, um, a few months ago, you know, he started off on the third, fourth line, getting a few minutes. By the end of the tournament, even though he wasn't putting up the big numbers, he was playing first, a first line role in the gold medal winning team. Um, you know, he's a very good skater. He's great with the puck. He's super smart. He just does everything right, you know, but he doesn't, he's not flashy. And so that's why, you know, you don't, nobody talks about Benyers the way they used to talk about Hughes or, or Trevor egress or, uh, uh, you know, some other recent, uh, national team, uh, development grads. So Benyers is a guy that I think is gone. Um, I mean, as early as number two, but definitely doesn't make it to 11.
3: Well, listening to that report, you got to remember who the Kraken GM is too. And that's Ron Francis. Yep. And that is exactly the kind of player Ron Francis
4: was. That, that's why I, it seems to me like that's you know it's almost a perfect outcome for Seattle assuming Buffalo starts their their thing off with power um, I, I would definitely would see Benyers going second um, and then I guess we can go for ready for number four mm-hmm. I don't think the big Swedish goalie Jesper Wallstat makes it to uh, to number 11 um, okay. He is maybe the best goalie prospect uh, at this stage of you know like pre-draft since I've been doing this. So, I mean, I'm saying that I put him above Spencer Knight, wh- where Spencer Knight was a few years ago, um, Askarov last year. Uh, who else was a top goalie? There was a couple more. Uh, I don't think actually those are the only two that were, I was high enough on that, that I would even consider them in the top half of the first round. And Walsh, the reports on him are better than those guys at this stage of his, his, his game. You know, he's an 18-year-old playing in the SHL in Sweden, putting up really good numbers, uh, playing a lot of minutes. He looks like a workhorse, um, and you know it's probably something that Chicago could use. But I just don't think he's going to be there for them.
2: Yeah, we obviously we have been looking with uh, awe at some of the guys who are going to be available at the top of the draft, kind of hoping that the Blackhawks would pull off a miracle and end up with a Kirby Doc esque uh, situation again uh, this coming season. And obviously that did not come to pass. So now Jay and I are kind of combing through some of the guys who are potentially going to be available in that pick number eleven range. And I know that Jay has a few guys that are on his radar, and I've got a few on mine. So I guess now is the time of the show, Ryan, where you get to tell us whether we are stupid or whether we are smart are you ready to do that
4: i will but i will give just one um you know one, one qualifier before that is that this year everybody is going to be stupid <laughs> you know? Yay. nobody knows what's going on
3: Hooray. Um, okay. well, we're so in.
4: yes so you know th- there, there are no wrong answers there's only worse answers
3: all right i've identified two guys that i'm interested in um, let's hear it. The first one, uh, Peterborough center, Mason McTavish. The other, because I love me some Finns, Atu Ratu. Tell me about those two and if they might be there at 11.
4: All right, let's start with Ratu. First of all, I love rhyming names. Me too. So, points for that. <laughs> um, Ratu's an interesting player, and he's somebody that, you know, I could see Bowman liking because if there's one thing I've noticed about the way Bowman runs uh, the Blackhawks in the last few years is he, he – always has a tendency to go for those, you know, post-hype prospects. You know, those guys who are really, really highly highly uh, touted, and then they didn't live up to it right away, and then he picks them up on the cheap. You know, you have your Stroms, you have your uh, your Nylanders. um There's a few others who weren't coming to mind immediately, but it's something he's done a lot of. And, and Ratu, if you go back a year or so, a lot of people are saying Ratu's going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's a top-two guy. And then he just didn't take that step this year. You know, he's playing in the men's league in Finland, and he wasn't horrible. Um, you know, he would flash every now and then his puck skills and, and his skills were, I don't know if there, are any, is there is anybody in this draft class who has clearly better puck skills than Ratu, but he just didn't do it often enough. You know, it even got to the point where Finland didn't take him to uh, to the World Juniors this year, which was really surprising considering he played at the World Juniors the previous year. Um, So Ratu is somebody who could very likely be there who could very likely provide, oh, and on that side, maybe not very likely, but who could very reasonably provide value that exceeds the number 11 slot. Or he could just be a guy who, you know, plays in the NHL. So he's got that, that floor that, yeah, he's an NHLer, right? There's nothing about his game that says that's not going to play. He's got to rechange it. He's got to, you know, do everything differently. Um, From the reports that I've heard out of Finland, it's just, he didn't have that intensity this year. And, I, I don't know what to attribute that to, you know, I, I'm not here to, um, to assume somebody has a, you know, issue of mental issues or, you know, that, that are preventing them from constantly being on their game. I don't know who had COVID and had a hard time getting over it. You know, those are things I'm not privy to, mm-hmm. but I can look at what a player can do on the ice. And I can say, you know, these are skills that I can see how they play in the NHL. And, and Ratu has that game that can play like a second line role, Maybe a first-line role, although not like the guy who drives that first line. Um, You know, do I, would I like him to be faster? Yeah, but he can skate well. It's But you're drafting him, whoever drafts him, and he'll probably go in the top half of the first round, uh, drafting him for just what he can do with the puck, and it's special what he can do with the puck. So that's very reasonable. And the other pick that you mentioned, Mason McTavish, is also a really interesting player because, you know, you kind of said he's from Peterborough, although as I'm sure you also know he didn't play a game for Peterborough this year. Right? Nobody in Ontario played. Um, he played in Switzerland and uh, the Swiss second division with a team called Olten. And, you know, based on the reports I've heard out of Switzerland and, and corroborated by viewings from last year in, in the OHL. Um, so he's a guy who's got the offensive tools. I mean, he's got a great shot. He's got the skills. You know, he puts the puck in the net. He contributes offense. Where some people are less high on him is because he's just not the fastest skater. His feet are a little bit heavy at times. Um, but you know, he, he's so far in his career, whether it was in the OHL or in Switzerland or for Canada at the under 18s where he was spectacular. Uh, he's just, he's been able to get it done. Um, and at 11, you know, he might be gone by then. He might be available then. He might still last a few picks later. Um, you know, in our previous draft ranking, we had him at 16, but that was before the under 18s where he got to show what he could do against, you know, a different class of player. So, I think, in fact, actually in the first mock draft that I I, uh, did a few uh, months or so ago for Pro Hockey Talk, I had McTavish going to 11th, although at the time it was not to the Blackhawks. Um, So that's definitely, I mean, you pick two players right there who are very reasonable targets for Chicago at number 11.
2: CJ, you've already done better than I'm ultimately going to do. I have absolutely no confidence in my abilities here. Me neither. Uh, (laughs) Don't Uh, sell yourself short. (laughs) Oh, I did I, I shouted out Kirby Doc the day that the Blackhawks yes, got that number three pick, so I'm clearly not a complete moron, just a partial one. Um, there are two <sighs> players that I'm kind of looking at in that forward department that I think could help address some weaknesses that the Blackhawks have, both on their current NHL roster and just kind of in their system in general. One of the guys I was looking at was a player who came from the WHL and ended up playing in the USHL this season because of the COVID stuff, and that is Cole Sillinger. Really liked what he was was able to do with the Stampede this season. And then another USHL guy that a lot of Blackhawk fans should probably be familiar with since he played in Chicago was Matthew Coronado from the Chicago Steel. I thought that he had an absolutely phenomenal season with them. And I think that the Blackhawks, if they can get a really good scoring winger that can be up in a few seasons, I think that could be a really tremendous acquisition for them, especially with some of the other uh, guys that they do kind of have around like the Kirby of the world what do you think of those two potential picks
4: well you're certainly in my wheelhouse I mean I'm based out of the Chicago area and I cover the USHL pretty extensively, and I got to see Coronado a ton this year so I'll start with a couple points one is you never almost almost entirely never want to pick a guy based on what your roster needs right now because the guys in the draft especially after number one or two they're not playing in the NHL right away and um, Coronado is probably not going to play for about three years because he's going to college, he's going to Harvard. Harvard guys don't leave early that often. But if you look at what he can do down the road, he could be a potential star. You know, he's a great skater, amazing shot, great puck skills. Um, You know, he's kind of all over the ice. The only thing he's lacking is a physical side. He's on the small side. Um, You know, he doesn't play a heavy game at all. Uh, But that's kind of okay. You don't really need that these days. Um, you know, a, a lot of times watching Coronado this year, I'd see a guy who's got so much skill and can dominate at this level, and probably at least at the college level. But I, I do think that he will have to change his game a little bit when he gets to the pros because he can be prone to trying to win the game by himself. And again, in the USHL, that worked. I mean, he scored, if I have the numbers right, I think 46 goals in 50 games um, before Jesus. the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that might not be up to date, actually. So he might have gotten more than that. But, you know, he, he put up crazy, crazy scoring numbers. And he earned them. Uh, you know, but again, you know, at the next level, his line mates will be more talented. They will also need to, you'll need to play with them more and be able to kind of, you know, that, that give and go that, that makes players better. Um, it is a concern I have with Coronado's, but it's not something that I think will prevent him from going beyond the middle of the first round. So he's definitely viable in that spot. And I would say the same thing about Cylinder, at least in terms of his viability. Cylinder is also a really good goal scorer, you know, whereas Coronado is playing with the top team in the league. And I mean, the top team with a bullet. Cylinder was playing on one of the worst teams in the league in Sioux Falls, but he still scored. Again, my numbers might not be to the end of the season, but 24 goals in 31 games. Um, That's correct. Yeah, I mean, he's he got a shot. You know, he the way he reads the play is, is fantastic and because he's going back to the WHL next year. So he's not – we're not looking at a college commitment. Um, Cylinder could be, you know, could, could be – at least competing for a roster spot in about, you know, by the, uh, the 2022-23 season. Uh, he's a bit bigger. You know, his father, uh, Mike Sil- Mike suitcase Silinger played in the NHL for a long time. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's not as good a skater as Coronado, but he skates very well. Um, you know, he's he's like a, just an offensive dynamo, uh, one of the better goal scorers available this year. So I think all four guys that you guys have, have touched on are reasonable Uh, if not expectations, at least reasonable targets for the Blackhawks at number 11. All right, Ryan, we've got our four.
3: We gave your top four. Uh, Give us two guys that we did not mention yet that you think could be there at 11 for the Hawks and could make some sense.
4: All right. Now, I did say you never want to draft for need, Um, and I still do believe that. But sometimes if it lines up and you say, well, we do have a need in the system, you know why not? And you know, as as good as Drew Camesso might be, the Hawks have had a really rough time in the last few years developing goalies. Um, and Camesso is not—I wouldn't say he's a sure thing either. Um, although I do like him. Um, and while Wallstad won't be there at eleven, there is another goalie who should go in the first round. Who also, technically, might not be there at eleven, but I think he could be. And he's somebody that I, if I'm in the Blackhawks' shoes, I'm thinking hard about. In Sebastian Cosa, so he's, uh, he played in the WHL at Edmonton. He also played, um, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm confused about something else, but he played in the WHL at Edmonton. He's gigantic, 6'6", 210 pounds, and he, he almost never let in a goal this year uh, When once the WHL season got underway. He's really athletic for his size. Uh, he sees the game really well. Just plays hard. He you know, doesn't give up on anything. He, he could be a superstar like Workhorse Goalie as well. Uh, he doesn't have the track record of Wollstat, which is why I think Wollstat is almost a lock to be gone by then. But Kosa has just everything that you want in a goalie. Um, and so if, if there is any doubt at all in the Blackhawks that Camesso is a starting goalie, uh, I'd be looking at Kosa. Um, another player I would be thinking about if he's available is um, Fabian Lassell, a winger from Sweden. Played in the the SHL this year. So, you know, his numbers don't look big because you very rarely get teenagers getting big minutes in the SHL. But uh, he can fly. He's got great puck skills. Uh, And he had a great showing at the under-18s. That that makes me think that, you know, I think he's going up draft. He went up draft boards, I should say, a lot in the last, you know, month or two. Uh, At least higher than he would have been expected to go by mid-season. He could be a very special player. And, uh, and if he's available at number 11, you know, that's, that's another person I would be hesitant to, to let him slide one more spot.
2: Well, I mean, those are the kind of guys the Blackhawks love, right? Are those guys that kind of fly under the radar a little bit in Europe and then, you know, showcase their skills. The Blackhawks have had a lot of success drafting and signing guys out of Europe. So that's definitely a guy that I had kind of had on my initial list. Um, awesome to hear you talk about him like that.
4: He's listen. He's, he's going to go high. I, he might not be there, you know. And this is a good year for Sweden in general. Like where where the draft is strongest this year, you're going to see a lot of guys from the USHL slash you know the Michigan uh, trio, right? We mentioned Veniers and Power. There's also Kent Johnson, who is another person who will be in in, in that Blackhawks consideration set at 11. Um, you know, you have the WHL because at a full season they had some really talented players there, uh, and you have Sweden. Sweden is just like this, bursting with talent this year. And uh, is one of a few who could be, you know, in in that consideration. Said I didn't mention William Eklund just because I think he's probably gone by 11. But he, uh, if he's still available, excuse me, if he's still available at 11, I think he's the guy. But I just don't think he's going to be available. All
3: right, Ryan, before we let you go, you've been so generous with your time. We're a a year removed from the Blackhawks drafting Lucas Reichel. Um, a, a move that was met with some mixed reviews in Chicago, people thought it was sort of a safe pick, not very exciting. But in that year, Lucas Reichel has really developed into a nice player and is expected to re- at least compete for a spot on the opening night roster for the Hawks. What can you tell us about Lucas Reichel's growth over the last calendar year?
4: Um, to be honest, not as much as I would have hoped to tell you. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to play at the World Juniors because of, I believe, it was a you know a bad COVID test. But yep. he put up a, he had a really good year in, in, uh, in Germany this year. Um, you know, f- from what I have heard, it was, you know, better than, than he showed growth. Um, he's doing really well at the world championships. So playing, you know, against men again I get from, I guess, a different grouping. Uh, it, it just is, it is hard to say with a guy like him because he hasn't had as much experience outside of that same, you know, circle of hockey that he's been at throughout his, his life so far. Um, so from what I've heard, he's kind of, you know, he's on the same, I don't think his trajectory has changed, but, there's more uncertainty with that statement than I would give in most years at this time with a guy who's, you know, in his his first year after being drafted, the Blackhawks definitely have to sign him to a contract. I think that's the the next step. Um, But, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'd be surprised if he's not at least given some consideration, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel that you'd need to rush him just anytime soon.
3: All right. Ryan Wagman from McKean's hockey, go to McKean's for all your NHL draft needs. Uh, you said your draft guide's coming up in about a month, so make sure you check that out. Ryan is the head of U.S. Scouting for McKean's Hockey. Ryan Wagman, thank you so much for your time tonight. We appreciate it.
4: My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on.
3: All right, take care. You too. That was Ryan Wagman of McKean's Hockey, and that's going to do it for this episode of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast thank you so much for joining us i hope you enjoyed uh the little draft preview there we thought we'd bring in an expert to really give you uh what you wanted to hear when we find out the hawks will be picking 11 so uh, until we talk next thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you very soon on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast the madhouse
1: chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports and by the In law group